Uh-oh, here we go. I'm so glad we have a full house because I really have something on my heart to share this morning. Um, if you watched, we, oh, oh, and let me just say, if you haven't followed us, on, if you are a Facebook person, if you're not, I don't encourage you to get on Facebook. <laughs> There's other ways we communicate. But if you are, <laughs> if you're already in sin, I mean, if you're already there, <laughs> I'm on Facebook, I am. Uh, if you're already there, um, we do have a members page, and that is one of the best ways to keep um, keep uh, up to date on what's going on at, at Hope Church. Um, so I actually sent out something, and I wanted to make a special announcement this morning. We're going to do that. Um, so, you know, um, at the beginning of the year, um, God began to really stir me on some things. And um, we... So one of the things I felt the Lord asked me to do was read on um, revivals, a couple of revivals. And um, so I actually picked up a book. Actually, Jessica, when I told Jessica, she goes, I got the book for you. I was like, of course you do, library person. (laughs) And so she handed me a book. It was by Rick Joyner, and it was about the Welsh and the, um, the, uh, uh, um, almost said Asbury. Not yet. There's not a book yet. Um, But the Azusa Street Revival. And it's both of those books, and it has um, his commentary kind of on that, but most of it's just stories. And I was so moved. I was so moved. And, um, and so then the cry of your heart says, Lord, why not us? Like, wh- why not us? And it was, it's just a simple um, move of God, simple. It's simple for God. Simple move of God. And all, like the Welsh revival, just the brief deal, it spread all over Wales. Like in some of the, if you look up some of the sports, um, um, uh, the history of some of the sports in Wales, it will say, well, this major event was canceled because of revival. It literally shut down the whole, people were coming to Christ in droves. And if you read the history of what was going on in Wales, it wasn't like that that was a spiritual place. It was a lot like what we see here today. It it was a move of God and repentance and people were coming to Christ in droves, in droves. And it actually started with like a group of people that were like 17 to 22 year olds. And it swept through all of Wales. And then you read about the um, uh, Azusa Street Revival. And the thing about the Azusa Street Revival, what was really um, in California, Azusa Street was in L.A. in um, in the 1904, 1903, somewhere around there. And and, uh, two guys, a guy, I'm going to forget the other guy's name, by the name, one of the guys' name is William Seymour. The other guy is, I can't remember his name. Another guy, but William Seymour is an African-American man. man, And the other guy was not an African-American man. He was a white guy. These two, now think about this. In 1902, 1903, these two guys coming together in unity with one purpose, and that's to worship God. And that, and that sparked what we know is a lot of the, lot of the stuff we experience even today um, in our charismatic Pentecostal roots are really, um, uh, you know, it's always been going since Jesus, amen? But that revival still goes on today and, um, and has actually swept through into the denominations. And you see um, all kinds of stuff that happens through 
that revival in, in um, 120 years ago. And, um, and then the thing in Asbury happens, and we're just young people in Asbury at the college in Kentucky, where all these young people are just seeking God, and it goes on for days and days, and people are staying in the chapel service for days and upon days, just seeking God and, and repenting. It actually started from a, a young man who got up and publicly repented and said, I've been living a fake life, and I want to give my everything to God. And the altars flooded. And then this other movie shows up, The Jesus Revolution. If you haven't seen it, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, go today. It's out in theaters. And it's about this, this guy named Chuck Smith, um, who is actually one of my heroes. I, listened, I used to listen to Chuck Smith a long time ago. Um, he is known, um, what he's known for is when nobody was accepting the hippies, when nobody was accepting these people that didn't look like them, they didn't wear, they didn't wear ties and suits to church. They wore their, whatever, their robes and their sandals or bare feet, and they had the long hair, and they're like, whoa, you know, all this stuff. But they realized that the sex, drugs, and rock and roll culture wasn't fulfilling anything on the inside of them. And they needed Jesus. They needed the God. They needed their creator. But they had nobody that would accept them in, and Chuck Smith accepted them in. And that church exploded. And they would have mass baptisms down in a, a, a Pirate's Cove there in um, California, off the coast of California. And uh, right there on the beach, mass baptisms. And so we see a lot of that now with some of our culture going into trying to find God in all kind of other ways. And really, that's what it's about. They're just people in our, in our culture today. We shouldn't like a Drew. And then I was so moved by Drew last week. And um, there's a part of me that just goes, I'm not satisfied. I want to see the move of God. I want to see God move. And, um, and I want to see people, listen, I love what Drew said. We have got to stop being mad at people who don't know God. Thank you. We need to stop being angry against people who are living a lifestyle that's ungodly. Because they're just looking. They're looking for love. They're looking for acceptance. And all of that stuff outside of God is empty. So let's stop being mad and let's be compassionate and loving. Amen? But we need people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We need, it's going to cause us to, to um, have to be people of God, that we have the heart of God, and we cry out for Him. Amen? And so there's a part of me, and actually in that move in the Jesus Revolution, it wasn't, it wasn't the denominational movement. It was a charismatic Pentecostal movement. They were spirit-filled. Lonnie, um, Lottie Frisbee, who was the hippie, he was actually a, a Pentecostal, believed in the gifts that flowed in the gifts of the Spirit, flowed in healing and manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit like we talked about this morning. And so it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a non-charismatic deal. It was the move of God. And so there's part of me that says, so there's two parts to this, right? I taught this in the message in our teaching this morning. 
There's two parts. There is the word, but there's also the spirit. And if we only allow the word, then we'll miss the spirit of God. But then we only allow the spirit, we get goofy and flaky because we don't match it up to the, right? The word. But I believe we're balanced. Except, honestly, we need to step into the spirit a little bit more in our church. So, this is what we're going to do. Hold your breath. It's going to be all right. So this is also the season of Lent, in case you didn't know. So I thought it would be good during this season of Lent to offer up the church on Friday nights as a... Go ahead. Pursuit nights. And so we're going to be doing these every Friday for the month of March. So the next, what, three, three Fridays, we're going to have times in here where we're just going to worship God, we're going to seek after God, and we're, aren't you, don't you want more? Don't you want more of Him? I have, I, I, we sat down here, we prayed on Thursday morning, we prayed for about two and a half hours, and God so put this on my heart that I know He's going to show up. And so Friday nights, one of the things you can do for Lent is give them your Friday nights and ask the Lord to move on your heart. And I'll ask God, don't you need a fresh infilling of His Spirit? You know, those people in Pentecost that were filled with the Spirit, there were multiple times where they were filled with the Spirit. They're filled on a regular basis. And I want these nights to be filling, filling nights. We can have God just move as He wills. Amen? So we're going to have worship. Um, we're going to flow in whatever the Holy Spirit asks us to flow in. And we're just going to watch God move. Amen? It is so in my heart. And we'll, if um, I'm just praying, if you just want more of God, more of Him, don't miss these nights. There's no speaker. There's no nothing. It's the only speaker is going to be the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so we're just going to allow Him to move in a biblically, in a biblical fashion. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. All right. I do have a few things I want to say, though, at this time. All right. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, do something in our midst. We are open, and we're willing, and we're here for it. And so, God, I pray that you would just speak to us, even through your word this morning. God, we ask you to challenge us and make your word known in this place. In Jesus' name. All God's people said amen. 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 Are you all ready? All right. So we're going to start a, um, a new, a new um, it's kind of off of the, the we're still being fruitful. This, this, we're still being fruitful. So we're going to start talking over the next few weeks. That was four weeks up to um, getting close to um, Palm Sunday. Um, we're going to uh, uh, give four weeks on the subject of prayer of the subject of prayer. And, um, and so there's a lot of talk about prayer, and we want to, uh, I'm going to teach this week and next week. My wife is going to come and teach the following week, and because uh, I've actually been invited to go speak at a church up in Blairsville, so I'm grateful for that. My good friend Philip Kite pastors the church up there. I'm going to go speak at his church. And then the, we're going to end up with another thing. And so, but this morning, I want to talk about prayer. And we're going to talk about that for the next few weeks. But so, um, Let's do this. I'll let's just launch on it. So in 1989, how many of y'all remember 19? How many of y'all are teenagers tonight? Where are my where are my Gen Xers at? Right, right. So in 1989, there was a guy named um, named Bobby McFerrin. Remember him? He is one hit wonder guy, and he sang, "Don't worry, be happy." So that song actually won a Grammy. Isn't that crazy? That song actually won a Grammy. 
in, uh, in 1989. It was wrote, voted best song in 1989. Don't worry, be happy. And what's amazing about that song is about that song has this phrase, don't worry, be happy, like 20 different times. That's literally a little whistling going on, you know, if y'all remember it. Um, yeah, there, there, I hear it, I hear it. So it must have struck a nerve because that was one of that, and still today, it's still one of the, like some of our, some of our young people even know that song. I mean, that's how it's carried over through the ages, right? Like it must have struck a nerve with people about worry. What does that say when a song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, hits a nerve with the people? Because, listen, we live, <laughs> we, it, let me just say this. We were created for peace. We were created for peace. Your natural state before the fall was supposed to be peace with God. That's the way it's always supposed, that's the way it's always was, was, uh, was, was supposed to be, right? But the problem is, for a lot of us, our peace has been swallowed up in worry. When our worry should be swallowed up in peace, our peace is actually swallowed up in worry. And when, and um, let me just say, like in, in our culture today, like this is ep- on epidemic uh, levels of worry, anxiety, even on into depression. This is not the way life was intended. You were not intended to wring your hands on every situation that comes your way. That is not the way we've been, we were supposed to be. Worry, um, and not only that, even in further, in many of our, our, um, our, our, where people are talking, the worry actually becomes a little um, identity part. Where yeah, I'm just kind of just kind of I'm just anxious. I'm just an anxious person. And it becomes this like badge of honor of how much worry we have. That is ungodly. And if that's you, you need to separate yourself from that identity of worry and fear and found in another identity. Because we're not called to live in worry. We're not called to live in fear. So isn't it crazy that worry is kind of celebrated in this weird way? So what do most people worry about? So here's this thing that I read. It's on, it's on the most common things that people worry about in 2023. And actually, these things, these were the same things that people worried about in 2022, except the percentages of people who are doing are going up on every one of these categories that I'll read. All of these worry, things that people are worried about, they're going up. Uh, Personal finances. We worry about personal finances. Your physical health, which is 49% of people are worried about their physical health. Their mental health. Worried about their mental health. They're worried about their relationship. This is from, actually, this is from Psychology Today. Where I got this. Relationships with friends and families. Worried. Job security. Their romantic relationships. People are worried about these things. So all of these things are robbing 
the worry of these things, the, the, the mindset and the, and the continual bombardment of worry is robbing the abundant life that God has called us to live in. And then we find other solutions to try to fix those worries. And then we find ourselves in a bigger boat of worry than what we had in the past, right? We, we look for solutions in, in all kinds of different places. I mean, have you noticed the growth of the like alcohol section in the grocery stores over the last 10 years? It's interesting where people are finding, wanting to find their, I just need, I just need something to cut, to take the edge off, right? And the amount of, um, and then, the, uh, you know, you go to the fentanyl addictions, you go into the, 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 all the, the uptick of marijuana use and all, the, all that stuff. And that's what, yeah, the, yeah del, what is it? Delta 8. Let me tell you, Delta 8 is more than just a CBD. I'm just, just saying, I've just had some experiences with people who've had, and it's been, it's been a mess. So, um, but, the, but in saying, I can, I can this, those are easy pickings. Of, let's pick on the drugs and rock and roll, right? But the problem is, it's not just those things. It's where people are trying to find their hope and their help, right? Remember, we're not mad at people, right? So, so what is the answer to worry? The answer to worry for a believer is prayer, is prayer. So the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this. So the first thing I want to talk about this morning, about the subject of prayer is this idea of who are you trusting in? Not your neighbor, not the person sitting next to you, not that, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this person to hear this message on prayer because they don't pray. No, you. Amen? Just say this, Holy Spirit, Spirit. put your hand on your heart, say, Holy Spirit, Spirit. speak to me. Speak to me. me. Yeah, so (laughs) when we don't pray... We are solely reliant on our own ability, and we leave God out of it. When you live a life of worry, when you, um, when you live a life of worry, you're basically saying, God, I can handle this. I can handle this. I can handle these problems, and maybe, you know, maybe I'll just, um, let me just read the scripture. So it, let me just read the scripture in Zechariah. So in the book of Zechariah, Old Testament prophet book. This, the, what's going on is um, Zechariah and the Jewish people have actually come out of exile from where they were exiled. They were coming out of exile and they're going to start building the temple back um, so that they can fulfill the commandment to do temple worship. Right? So they're, they're in the middle, they come out of captivity, they're all back together and they start building the temple. And then the question comes like, uh, like so, and God promises them. That God's going to, going to pour out his spirit on that temple and it's going to be the glory of God is going to be revealed and all of this other stuff, right? It's good stuff. And so, and then in Zechariah, which is a pretty wild book, pretty wild book. So, Zechariah has these uh, series of dreams in this book. And as he dr- has these dreams, like some of them are just really wild, right? And um, so, one of the dreams, the, I think it was the fourth dream, could be wrong. But the, the prophet gives him a warning, and it has to do with these, it has to do with these lampstands and with these bowls and these two olive trees. Right? And then this, 
this, this, um, this, uh, this, these culverts coming from the olive trees pouring into these bowls, right? And we know um, most of the time, like the olive trees and, the, and the, um, it has to do with the anointing oil and the power of God, right? Symboli- symbolizing those things. But Zechariah, God speaks to Zechariah in chapter 4, in verse 6, and he says this. He says, so he answered me. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of the armies. For what are you, great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will be made a plain. And he will bring out the capstone accompanied by shouts of grace grace to it. So God tells, he tells Zechariah, and he reminds us, and he reminds us today that the things that we're facing, the mountains we're facing, if we want to allow those mountains to become plains, it's not going to be by the works of your hand, Zechariah, Zerubbabel. It's not going to be by the works of what you do. It's going to be by the power and presence of God. It's going to be what God does in your midst. And so many times, we fall into this trap. We fall in this trap. Like what you're asking God for will be impossible for you unless God intervenes. So, but we fall into this trap. We, we may even, it's such a trap because we may even shoot up a, God help me. We may put up a little, uh, we may even, even in a moment of God, just help. May even say, hey, can you pray about this? Hey, person, can you pray for me? Because I got this doctor's appointment, kind of worried about it. Actually, this week, um, is that okay? Uh, Paul, um, Paul, Loda, um, they found actually a mass up in his pituitary gland. And Paul had actually had cancer there years before. And so we prayed at our staff meeting. This week, he had a, um, an MRI. And there was nothing there. This week. But what happens is what we do is we say, hey, pray for me. I got a prayer request. And we don't pray. We even agree that, yeah, we should. Hey, will you pray for me? Yeah, yeah, totally. I'll pray for you. But do we? But do we? Do we really make things a matter of prayer? What we really say is like, oh, God, we can, I can handle this on my own. You know, I know you're kind of, and, and, and this is what, I'm just going to say it. God speaks to me, he goes, he goes, he goes we're not deists. Deists believe that God's kind of out there, and, but he doesn't really get involved. We're not deists. This, this book, this, this is my iPad. The, the Bible is not a book where God is a deist. God, inter, he, he literally gets involved in the lives of his people. He works in us and in things when we approach him in prayer. I don't know why. Don't ask me. Can God just do whatever he wants? Yep, absolutely. And you know what he wants? He wants you to pray. Yeah, God can do whatever he wants. 
And He wants you to pray. He wants you to ask Him. See, but we get this thing, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, yep, I asked them to pray, and, and uh, man, I'm thinking, I'm th- I know prayer is a good idea. I'm, don't, I'm not really going to do it, but I'm going but, to, but then I'm like, oh, I'm going to figure it all out. If you fall into the figure it all out trap, I, I got I to make this all work. I, you know, and, and, and we'll, sometimes we'll use this excuse, I'm just using godly wisdom. And you haven't prayed? That is godly wisdom when you pray. Yes, there is godly wisdom about things, right? But we pray about those things. Have you ever thought to ask, God, what would you have me do about this? Rather than me just going, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. No, we're called to pray. We're called to seek his face for these matters. I just need to figure it all out. When you say, when we say, I got to figure it all out, or, or um, I, God, I, I know, I, you know, just, I kind of just figure you're kind of do whatever you want to do. And, um, and I'm just kind of left down here to kind of figure it out on my own. That's called an orphan spirit. You're not an orphan. You are not fatherless. You may be naturally fatherless, understandable. So was I. But you're not fatherless. How do I know this? Well, Jesus told us. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. He said, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Stop. Don't worry about your life. Is that, is that a, hey, if you don't want to, or if you're spiritual enough, or if, you, or if you get to that place? No, it's a command. He says, don't worry. Don't worry about life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food? The body more than clothing? Consider clothing. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow, or they don't reap, or they gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you worth more than they? You have a good Father. I know. Let me let me just say, from someone who lost their father when they were sixteen, I get it. I get the father issues and the father problems and the father that abandons and the father that, that leads or the father that dies. I get those things. That's not where I get my information about Father God. I get my information about Father God from the words of Jesus who introduces us to this idea that the God of Jacob, of, of Jacob the God of Moses, the God who did miracles, is not only the God of the universe, if you watch The Chosen, He's King of the universe, He's also, Jesus said, He's your Father. And He cares about all of those things. All of those things. You're not an orphan. You haven't been left alone to figure all this out on your own. That's where worry comes in. That's where worry comes in. It's interesting that He says, he says, he, he, he equates worry with not understanding who your father is. Because he's your father. He says, and they, and the birds of the air, they get fed. I've never seen like a bird sitting on a wire going, panicking. Like, what am I going to eat? I've never really seen a skinny bird. 
I remember I was shooting. Uh, I was shooting. I was shooting this robin. It was so bad. I know. But that belly on that robin was so. The BB just went boom, and he flew away. Like what? Like I need a better BB gun, or don't shoot robins. They're not. They're 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 well fed, especially some of you, because you put all your food out there for them. It's amazing those birds can fly with all the bird feed we put out there for them. Your father cares. And not only is your father cares, he is the God of the universe. He's the creator. The one who heals things in people's brains. The God who helps us in time of need. The antidote for your worry. Not your neighbor's. Not what you wish other people, not that's a good sermon, Pastor, high five on the way out. That is your antidote for worry is through prayer. And prayerlessness is really faithlessness. The antidote for worry is peace, and it comes through prayer. Philippians chapter 4, let's go there. Paul, quoting Jesus, (laughs) I would imagine, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, says, do not worry about anything. Hmm, That's again. But in everything, through prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What is prayer when you're worrying? It's presenting your request to God. It's as simple as that. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. It's through prayer. It's through prayer that we petition. Petition just simply means this. I looked it up in the the dictionary. It says, I didn't look it up in the dictionary. I looked it up in the dictionary. Um, It says, petition. A petition is to make or present a formal request to an authority with respect to a particular cause. A petition is you making a request to an authority for a particular cause. This is not God help. This is not God fix it. This is not, um, this is that problem right there, God, is an issue. This problem, I need your intervention. I can't fix it. Only you can fix it. Only you can solve this problem. God, I, my job is not cutting the mustard for me. I don't know how you cut mustard. I don't even like mustard. It doesn't cut the mustard, right? What did I say? Your job, right? This job is not cutting the mustard. Thank you. This job, sometimes I have to rewrite my own thoughts, right? This, this job is not doing it. It's not providing. God, I, it's not enough. And everybody around me is crazy. God, I'm asking for another job. I'm asking for a better job. I'm asking you, God. I'm asking. God, speak to me. Help me. We'll talk about, there's so much to prayer that that you're not going to get it all in this message. That's why we're going to do it for four weeks. Right? There's a lot of aspects, and I just don't want you to miss over these next few weeks. Because I want to teach you how to pray. Teach us how to biblically pray about things. Praying is not praying is not worrying to God. 
That's from, that's, I just want you to know, that's, that's not in my notes. That's straight from the Holy Spirit just now. We're, it's prayer is not worrying to God. God, really, this is not prayer. God, um, this is really big, God. Uh, God, this is, um, um, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. God, um, this is, um, and just speaking out all your worry. I'm not going to have enough, God. I'm not going to have, the, this is not going to be enough. I'm not going to, this my relationship. I'm, my kids will never come back to Christ. But God, I don't know, that is not prayer. Prayer is you believing God. You trusting in God for his makeup of what you can't do. And many times our worry, and we get in our little fingers involved in all of these things, we mess it up worse because we try to fix all these problems. We try to fix all these. Yeah. Oh, I can't go there. M many of our world systems have been great ideas to solve terrible problems. And we've done terrible jobs of it. We'll just say that. We need to seek God about the issues that, have, that you have in your life. What if you have a wayward child that doesn't, that's not um, in the kingdom of turned their lives away from God? What do you do? Well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep, keep giving them tracts. I'm going to keep giving them books how they need God. I'm going to keep doing this. Gonna, and many times what we're doing is we're just pushing them further away. Because our eyes of their understanding have been blinded. And we're using natural means, good intentioned, natural means to fix a spiritual problem. What we need is their eyes of their understanding to be enlightened, that the blinders would become off so they can see the hope that is in Christ. That's what we need. They don't need another sermon from you. They need your love is what they need. They need your love and in action, especially some of this generation. They've had it with the church. They need to watch you walk out and walk your life out in love and goodness and the fruit of the Spirit. Right? That's, you, that's our job. I can't change anybody's heart. None. Nobody. That's only, that's God's deal. But I know that when I pray, there's a story of, um, of Karen Wheaton and her, it's a great story of her daughter who was in ministry, married to a pastor, and she went wayward, like way wayward, like off the chart wayward. Left her husband, went out and living a wild lifestyle. And you know what she did? She committed to prayer. She said she would take, I love this, she said she would take Plato. Wouldn't she, isn't that right? How many times have you heard this story? <laughs> he used to go to the ramp. And, and she would take that Plato. And she would just squish it in her hands. And she would go, God, I thank you, God, that you're molding their hearts towards you. God, you say, God, your word says, because she knew the word. God, your word says you hold the hearts of the, the king in the palm of your hand. And you turn it whatever way you will. God, I pray that you would soften up their hearts, oh God. God, I pray that you would move on their hearts. And then if you, then actually she read, wrote a book about her coming back to God. And she says that she could almost feel the echoing of those prayers. Her daughter, I'm sorry, her daughter. You could feel the echoing of those prayers. She goes, I knew there was something that just, it just didn't feel right. But I was just, I was so angry and I was so mad. I was so mad at the church. I was so mad at all the other stuff that put this taste. But there was part of me that missed God. And I couldn't get away from it. You know why? Because there's this mom on the front porch in Hamilton, Alabama, 
We just mold it and say, God, mold their hearts. God, only you can do it. Only you can fix it. Only you can make it happen. They did it through prayer. There's something about prayer that God requires us to ask. Don't know why? Don't need to know why. God asks us to pray. He asks us, and really, I think what it is, is it's the humbling aspect of prayer. It's the, God, I can't do it. I am unable. I need you, God. I need you to intervene in this situation, God. I need you to intervene in this relationship, God. I need you to intervene, God, in, in my work situation. God, I can't do it any, I feel like I can't do it any longer. God, I, I pray, God, that you would work. Change these things. Work these things out, God. It's not by might, not by our own strength, but it's going to be by the power of God's Spirit. I can't work my little hands in Paul's brain, pull out a thing. God can and did. I can't do that. You know what's amazing? When you pray, some of you have experienced this. You've gone and you've done it. You've got down on the side of your bed or you've, you've wherever that place for you is and you've, you've cried out to God and you have, you have, and then you've prayed so much that that peace of God came in and flooded into your life. Some of y'all can attest to that and know that. You know why that peace came? Because you gave it all to Him. And you've cast all your burdens onto Him because He's a good Father and He cares about you. And all of a sudden, this what drops in your heart of this, this assuredness that I know that God's working. I know He's doing things that I can't do. I know he's moving on somebody's heart. I know he's moving on my boss's heart. I know that he's moving things and situating things around so that the, so the answers are coming my way. And I know and I'm assured of it. And you get up from there and God gives you this amazing peace. You don't have all the answers, but you have your peace that your father is working on your behalf. Some of us have gone so long. Let me just say this. Stand, stand up with me. We're going to close. Some of us have gone so long. You can come on up, Eric. Some of us have gone so long that we have forgotten even what faith looks like and what trusting in Him looks like. We've thrown up little prayers, little things. But you're good, but there's more. There's more to prayer than just a little, you can seek after God. Tuesday, no, Thursday morning when I was in prayer, I was praying for an hour. Then all of a sudden, about an hour, and I know that's not for everybody, and I know you got schedules and all those things. I'm just telling you, after about an hour, something else kicked in. It was like the power of the Holy Spirit kicked in. We just went for another, didn't we, Dylan? We went for another hour and a half. Praying for what? For this church. Praying for you. But there's something, and it, it didn't happen in a moment. It happened because I sought God, and we seek God. 
and we God and we humble ourselves and say, God, you are the answer. You're the one that can. I am tired of trying to do it myself. God, I give it to you. I give that. I give that situation to you. I give my income to you. I give that relationship to you. I give that physical issue. I give that up to you. I give my future. I give it up to you. God, I thank you that you can move. God, I believe in you. Can you just right there where you're at, just switch your heart back over and just admit, say, God, I've been a God. I've been prayer, I've been prayerless. Just admit it. It's okay. It's all good. There's no failures in the kingdom. There's only learners. We're all, we're all learning. Just switch it over. Say, and just repent. Just say, God, I've been prayerless. Honestly, I've been prayerless. I've done a lot of worshiping about that situation. I've done a lot of asking God's presence. I got asking his presence and all those things. But you haven't asked him. James says you have not because you ask not. There's other parts of this we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Let me just read this old hymn. This old hymn, so many of us know it. It says, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Verse 3. Are, are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a, a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find, thou wilt find your solace there. We need to take these things. We don't need to sing, don't worry, be happy. We need to sing, God, I'm taking these things to you in prayer. Oh, what needless burdens we bear. So God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, God, that you would cause us to be people of your spirit, not just people of, your, of, of just trying to figure it out on our own, doing it on our own. God, we release all those things, all those situations, all those problems, all those things we worry about, we release them over to you, God. We thank you, God, that you are mighty in power and strength. God, you are the king of the universe. God, you are the one who spoke and there was mountains. God, God, you are the one who spoke and life appeared. God, you're the one who spoke and gave life that even scientists today can't even figure out how it all works. God, you are the one, God. There is no one like you, God. God, I thank you, God. And God, I thank you, God, for your will in these situations, God, your will that you provide, God, your will that you heal, God, your will that you restore. God, we thank you, God. We take it to you in prayer. And God, I thank you, Father, for the, every person in this room. God, would you stir us to pray? Yeah, I even hear this. Some of you, even you've been Christians a long time, you... You want revival so bad? Pray. Pray it. Pray it in. Pray it in. God, we're, we're done. We're done trying to figure it out. We're done trying to make it happen. God, we just ask for your spirit to move. God, we ask, God, for you to move on, on the hearts of people. 
and situations in Jesus' name. God, we lift it, we give those things to you, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. So I'm going to ask our prayer people to come up. If I've told you, Rex, you can come on up. Amen. Dylan, won't you, you can come on, come on up too. These guys, um, I know these guys. They know how to prayer. Uh, Nick, get up here. Sorry. This guy, I know this guy knows how to pray. If you need something from God, and many times you have said, I need to go up there and have prayer, and I didn't, today's your morning. How about this? We talked about even the spiritual gifts this morning in our class. If that's you in this room, and you need a fresh impartation and a new filling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you need the power of God to come and flood your life all over again, and you just say, man, I just need a fresh infilling. These guys, all these guys up here, I know them. They know how to pray. If that's you, um, just as we dismiss, just come up. God, we thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, real quick, I'm just reminded. Uh, you know, worry is an enemy. Worry is an enemy. It's not your friend. It's not your friend. It's not a comfort blanket for you. Somebody needs to hear that. Worry is not your comfort blanket. It's an enemy. What you need is the power of God. Amen. And he is willing. All the promises of God are not no, you're not going to get it. All the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God. They're yes and amen. We ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we have the things that we petition of him. God is a prayer answering God. Amen. And I know some of you, your faith has been struggling and all that kind of stuff. It's time to renew it. Amen. Amen. We're going to teach on this some more over the next few weeks. We're going to close. And, um, and if, you're, if you want prayer, I want you to come up. I'm going to remain in here and pray. Um, if you need prayer, come. If you don't, that's fine. Go out the door. And, like, and you know, want you to continue your fellowshipping out, outside. Let's let this place be a house of prayer. And if you're passionate, if you're in need of God's refilling, don't miss Wednesday, I mean, Friday nights. Friday nights at 730. Amen? God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week. Seven. Seven. Sorry, seven. Seven o'clock. We'll be here at 730.